0: It's cold and
1: Good afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Trish and Evie's Focus on the Facts. To start the show today, my co-host, Patricia Milgram, and I will cover the horrifying tactics being used to push toxic vaccines on the entire country, with forced vaccination being promoted all across the United States. And we will continue to cover the takedown of the global child sex trafficking networks, with the latest developments in the child sex trafficking scandals and court cases of Jeffrey Epstein, and the trial taking place now on the Nexium sex cult. My summary today is extended because it is so difficult to separate all the different topics that we will cover, especially all the information related to the child sex trafficking networks. So I will explain many of the issues in the summary today. Starting with vaccines, on June 6, Vaccine Impact reported a new Department of Justice report that shows so far this year, the government has paid out over $160 million for vaccine injuries and deaths. That money comes from American taxpayers and not the vaccine makers. Legal immunity granted to the vaccine makers in 1986 has contributed greatly to the growth in unsafe vaccinations, which provide profit for the pharmaceutical companies while injuring our children. Globally, the vaccine industry is on track to more than double its worldwide revenues by 2024, rising from $32.5 billion in 2015 to a projected $77 in 2024. But the highly vaccinated children in the U.S. and elsewhere are suffering. Today, over half of American children have at least one chronic illness, and neurodevelopment disorders and pediatric autoimmune conditions have climbed to historically unprecedented levels. There is abundant evidence showing that vaccines are making our children sicker, not healthier. Last year, we learned that the U.S. Health and Human Services has never performed the vaccine safety testing that was required by laws in Congress. Thanks to the remarkable work of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Dale Bigtree, we finally have proof through freedom of information documents that the health and human services department has defaulted big time regarding the safety of vaccines. Health and human services has never given Congress the safety testing records because it has never performed these tests in 32 years. This default should be the very reason for rescinding the 1986 vaccine law in the United States. An online petition was put up on April 19th, which states in part, we the people ask the federal government to propose a new administration policy, suspend all existing FDA vaccine drug approvals as violating the 1986 Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. There seems to be a great awakening in the United States right now when it comes to vaccines. On May 31st, there was a demonstration at Disneyland. A group of freedom fighters spread truth about the mandatory vaccination laws plaguing the United States. The activists stood in front of all the entrances to Disneyland, holding up signs exposing the truth about the vaccine program. No one entering the park that day could avoid moving past these activists and the truth they came to spread. On May 8th, students in Oregon were activated to publicly oppose Oregon's mandatory vaccine bill. Identifying themselves as the Oregonians for Medical Freedom student group the students each took to the microphone to express why they opposed the bill at the Salem rally. There is also good news in California. Governor Gavin Newsom has said that he's concerned about having government officials sign off on a vaccine exemption and argued that those decisions should be made between patients and doctors without government involvement. He said, I'm a parent. I don't want someone that the governor of California appointed to make a decision for my family. He told reporters at his speech at a California Democratic Party convention. Although he didn't mention the bill, his comments indicate he doesn't support the bill by California. But on June 13th, there was bad news out of New York. Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill to index the nation exemptions based on religious beliefs. The Democratic-controlled legislature approved the measure, which also eliminates other non-medical exemptions for schoolchildren across the state. After the final vote, tally in the Assembly was announced, howling protesters, including parents of unvaccinated children, filled the chambers and hurling expletive and chanting, shame on you, until the lawmakers moved to recess. The law takes effect immediately, and unvaccinated students will have up to 30 days to show school officials they have received their first dose of each required vaccination. Next, Trish and I will continue to cover the takedown of the global sex trafficking networks, with the latest developments in the child sex trafficking scandals of Jeffrey Epstein and the Nexium sex cult, and the takedown of the pedophile-protecting attorneys representing all these perverts. Three weeks ago on Focus on the Facts, we reported on the death of Hollywood actor Isaac Cappy, who for the past year had been a major whistleblower in exposing Hollywood pedophiles and their connections to politicians like the Clintons. On May 9th, Isaac put out a video to start a campaign to force the unsoothing of the court records in the Jeffrey Epstein case. On May 10th, he put out another video with a song promoting the unsealing of the records in the Epstein case. He pointed out that Epstein's attorney, Alan Dershowitz, and journalist Mike Cernovich were trying to manage the unsealing of the records in the case. And as we we have been reporting on this show for weeks in the la- last court hearing in the Epstein case, the judge said that Epstein and his attorney, Dershowitz, were both involved in Epstein's child sex trafficking network. And the victim's attorney, Paul Castle, said in a press conference that there is a universe of 24 girls that Dershowitz ha- may have sexually abused. Two more women have now filed papers in the Epstein case saying they were sex trafficked by Epstein, to Dershowitz. In his videos, Isaac calls Jeffrey Epstein the keystone of pedophilia and child sex trafficking, and that Epstein is the controller, the money controller, and Epstein is paying off everybody. He also said that Epstein's island was a Mossad honey trap and that Epstein ties it all together. He specifically said, it's the Royals, it's Hollywood, it's the Clintons, fucking everybody, he said. He called it the Mossad Media Matrix Network. In his campaign to release the rest records, Isaac said that with the unsealing of the Epstein court records, everything would fall down. And then on Monday, May 13th, reports came out that Isaac had committed suicide at 7.30 a.m. by jumping off an overpass on Route 66 near Flagstaff, Arizona. And then he was killed when a truck hit him. Then we have the suspicious death of another whistleblower, State Senator Linda Collins-Smith of Arkansas, who was shot and killed on June 4th. She was reportedly working with the Department of Human Services insiders to expose the missing $27 million from the Department of Human Services Child Protective Services. It is reported that these funds were being placed into trade and, and the dividends are being filtered back to the Clinton Foundation or own shell companies belonging to the foundation. The missing $27 million was discovered when it was revealed that the Department of Health and Social Services in Arkansas had two separate sets of books. On June 14th, Arkansas State Police said they, had, they and Randolph County Sheriff's deputy arrested 48-year-old Rebecca Lynn O'Donnell in connection with the death of Senator Linda Collins. Police said criminal charges were pending and they did not say whether they were seeking any other suspects in the Collins' death. Authorities have released few details about Collins' killings and have not said how or when she was killed. A judge last week granted a request by prosecutors to seal documents and statements obtained by police during the investigation. Over the past few months, the attorneys out there protecting the pedophiles and perverts in these legal cases have taken a huge fall with legal charges brought against attorneys Mark Caragos and Mike Lavanati, who represent the perverts in the Nexium case. In the latest news, Avenatti was recently charged with ripping off a porn piggy, prep represents Stormy Daniels. He stole her money from a book deal and forged her name. And then on June 14th, it was reported that Geoffrey Johnson, a paraplegic former client, has sued Avenatti for siphoning off his $4 million settlement. Johnson is seeking a minimum of $9.5 million in damages. The complaint names Avenatti, his law firm, and his former colleagues as defendants. The latest developments in the Epstein case is that federal prosecutors want to talk to the victims of Epstein before deciding whether to throw out his 2008 plea agreement. Prosecutors said that input from the victims, who were underage at the time of Epstein's crimes, is essential to decide how to proceed with the case. In February, a federal judge ruled that the non-prosecution agreement Epstein received was illegally brokered by Alexander Acosta and other prosecutors in violations of the Crimes Rights Victims Act. As a result, the deal is being reviewed by the Justice Department, which has also opened a probe into Acosta's handling of the case. In April, a new victim, Maria Farmer, went public in the Epstein case and filed a sworn affidavit in a federal court in New York saying she was sexually assaulted and that her then 15-year-old sister was also molested by Epstein and his companion, Grisling Maxwell, in 1996. Farmer said she reported her assault to New York police and the FBI in 1996. However, the FBI did not take any action against Epstein or Maxwell. To my knowledge, I was the first person to report Maxwell and Epstein to the FBI, she said. Farmer was employed by Epstein and said she frequently saw school-age girls wearing school uniforms come to Epstein's New York mansion and go upstairs. She was told these girls were auditioning for modeling work. Farmer said she finally came forward with the affidavit to support Virginia Roberts Guthrie in hopes that Epstein and Maxwell will be prosecuted. Her affidavit is one of 15 exhibits attached to a defamation complaint filed in federal court in New York by Guthrie against Dershowitz. In her new lawsuit, Guthrie claims that Dershowitz knew about and participated in a sex trafficking operation involving underage girls that was run by Epstein and Maxwell and that she was forced to have sex with Dershowitz and other prominent wealthy men while she was underage. On May 2nd, Dershowitz appeared on The View and denied all the allegations, and again called Guffrey a liar and a prostitute. In her lawsuit, Guffrey claims that Dershowitz is still working on behalf of Epstein, and that Epstein is using Dershowitz to intimidate victims to deter them from coming forward because he fears a new federal investigation. Over the years, Dershowitz has always claimed that he never saw any underage girls when he visited Epstein at his various homes in Palm Beach, New Mexico, and New York. But Farmer claims that one of her duties while working for Epstein was to staff the front door to his New York mansion to keep track of all the visitors. In her affidavit, Farmer says that on a number of occasions, I witnessed Dershowitz at the New York mansion going upstairs at the same time there were young girls under the age of 18 who were present upstairs in the house. And she claimed that Dershowitz was so so uncomfortable at Epstein's mansion that he would just walk in and go directly upstairs where the underage girls were present. The lawsuit also points out to another witness, the former Palm Beach house manager, Alfredo Rodriguez, who also alleged that he saw Dershowitz in the presence of young girls at Epstein's mansion in Florida. Another woman, Sarah Romson, also submitted an affidavit with new details about sex with Dershowitz. She claimed she was lent out by Epstein to his friends for sex, including Dershowitz. She alleged that she had a three-way sexual encounter with Dershowitz and Nadia Markkova, another young adult who also worked for Epstein. She says, I recall specific key details of his person and the sex acts, and can describe them in the event that it becomes necessary to do so. She said in her affidavit. Another Epstein attorney, Ken Starr, also has his own sex abuse scandals. In May 2016, Starr was fired as president of Baylor University amid the sexual assault scandal involving the Bears football team. Bayer had been under fire Baylor had been under fire on charges of doing little to investigate the reports of the rapes of female students by its male athletes at the university. Starr was fired because the regents believed that Baylor's failure to handle the rape and sexual assault reports fell onto Starr. In the latest news on attorneys who are protecting the perverts and pedophiles, on May 11, Harvard University announced that due to dozens of complaints by Harvard students, Professor Ronald Sullivan Jr. and his wife were removed from deanships. Since January, students had expressed their frustration with Sullivan's position in defending the Harvey Weinstein case, which was scheduled for trial on September 9, 2019. In February, protesters stood in front of the administration building, bearing signs that read, remove Sullivan, me too. An online petition demanding Sullivan resign as faculty dean was signed by 270 people. Members of the Association of Black Harvard Women also wrote a public letter to Sullivan saying, you have failed us. Some university buildings also had been defaced by graffiti with one mess- message asking, Sullivan, whose side are you on? Others read, our rage is self-defense, and down with Sullivan. When I first saw the article about a Harvard professor being fired, I was hoping it was Dershowitz. On top of all the above information, the Daily Beast now reports that Epstein has been quietly running a charity called Gratitude America LDT, that has funded, among other things, an all-girls school in Manhattan, a youth tennis program, and a nonprofit linked to the wife of former Harvard President Larry Summers, who also flew on Epstein's private jet dubbed the Lolita Express by the press. Other recent news on the Hollywood perverts and pedophiles includes 11 new counts of sexual abuse were uh, waged against R. Kelly in Chicago, and he is accused of abusing victims who were between the ages of 13 and 16, The new charges include aggravated criminal sex assault, aggravated criminal sex abuse, and criminal sex assault. If found guilty, Kelly faces a minimum sentence of 30 years imprisonment and a maximum of 60 years for each of the aggravated criminal sexual assault charges. Also, Harvey Weinstein has reached a $44 million settlement with many of his victims and past employees at the Weinstein Company, but the settlement is covered by insurance and all the victims did not agree with the settlement. This settlement would mean that his 80 or so accusers would end up getting about $375,000 each. Weinstein still faces two counts of predatory sexual assault, one count of criminal sexual act in the first degree, and one count each of first-degree rape and third-degree rape. He pleaded not guilty to all those charges, and his criminal trial is now scheduled for September. And finally, on June 16th, reports came out that Brian Singer, the director of several X-Men films, will pay 150000 to resolve a claim that he sexually assaulted a 17-year-old boy, seasoned Sanchez Guzman, at a yacht party in 2003. According to Sanchez Guzman, Singer performed oral sex on him without consent and forcibly anally penetrated him. Four other men have also accused Singer of sexually assaulting them while they were underage in an article published in The Atlantic in March. Today, we will also discuss the latest news from the Nexium child sex trafficking trial and the revelations made in testimony in that case. Over the past week, jurors heard a Nexium slave recalling being tied down and strapped naked on a table for oral sex, and the jurors appeared horrified as they were showing Ranieri's kitty porn with over a dozen sexually explicit images that prosecutors say depict a 15 year old girl. The jury also learned that one of Ranier's top tier sex slaves, Rosa Laura, had offered her teenage daughter to Raniere as a virgin sacrifice. Girls also heard from multiple former Nexium members and sex slaves who described how Raniere required them to pose for nude photos, engage in group sex, and perform penance, such as spanking themselves with leather pedals if they stepped out of line. The jury also learned that Raniere taught his disciples that women enjoyed being raped and that child abuse wasn't a crime. According to Raniere, Where is the injury if an adult parent has sex with a child and the child enjoys it? And he says, an adult and child having sex? What's the difference between the child being tickled and the child being stimulated? In a bit of good news, on June 1st, sources in Mexico told the Frank Report that the Mexican government had shut down the dangerous child experiment called Rainbow Cultural Gardens in Monterey. The closure came at the heels of revelations first made in the Frank Report, but followed up by by the Mexican media, largely because of the roles of the NXIVM, roles in Nexium of Emiliano Salinas and Rosalora Junco, both children of famous Mexicans, former President Carlos Salinas and media magnate Alejandro Junco, respectively. Rainbow Culture Gardens is an unlicensed experimental program which subject infants from six months to children of nine or ten years old to babble in various languages. Critics' say it's designed to train children to grow up to be sociopaths. This Nexium case is expected to go to the jury this week, and that ends my summary. So I'll bring Trish on now to start the show by discussing the vaccine mandates. Welcome to the show, Trish.
0: Hi, Evelyn. It's great to be back. It's been a few weeks, but it's a lot yes. to discuss, obviously. But yeah, the vaccine, you know, the one other, um, you point out, you know, the dangers and lack of safety data. There's also overwhelming evidence that they don't even work now. Recall that U.S. Navy ship that's been under quarantine for months now with a 100% vaccinated populations, population that is, um, with suffering an ongoing months outbreak. So, um, but, uh, the, the woman, um, Oh, this is not that I was thinking of Linda Collins, but, um, I was going to mention about her. She, she was found wrapped in a blanket. I don't know if you had known that detail, but, um, that's something to add on that story. But yeah, these mandatory vaccines, I, I, I heard the protest in Portland were successful, though. I'm not sure what that means. I, um, uh, do you have any other updates on where that legislation stands now?
1: No, I, I don't. You know, I've just been, i just been following the, these others. You know, and this bit about um, us paying out one hundred and sixty million dollars already this year for six months of two thousand nineteen for injuries and deaths is outrageous. Well,
0: rem- yeah, and remember the. Um, I think from like 2014 to 2015, the number of vaccine injury settlements exploded by 400%. And what I thought was especially interesting about that was that it coincided almost exactly with an increase in the number of required vaccines for children. So, um, I mean, these, these injuries are exploding. And, the, and what we're talking about, you know, these settlements in the vaccine injury court, that's what it's named. So for anyone who doubts there are vaccine injuries, there's a whole court <laughs> system designed to deal with them. And the reality is that these are deaths and permanent injuries. These are children that are completely paralyzed from the neck down they suffer severe autism. They suffer seizures. They suffer debilitating, permanent injuries. And one of the other really important aspects of the um, the court settlements is that uh, you know when you go to sue a pharmaceutical company, they have you know dozens and dozens of lawyers devoted to protecting the company. And so those cases that the number of cases that succeed in court are only a very tiny fraction of the actual representative population. So when you consider the, when you consider what you just said, for example, about the 160 million already paid out, you know, that's probably one to 2% of the total liability if you were to um, properly compensate all of the families. You're talking thousands of children killed and permanently injured every single year. In contrast, there's Japan, which has, they had a MMR vaccine administered to infants and it only took two of them dying for Japan to ban those vaccines. The U.S., right. we have 30 years of injuries, deaths and injuries, and and we just keep ramping up the number. And, and also along those lines, remember when this vaccine injury court and that criminal immunity was established back in 1987, was it? 86, um, yes. Eighty-six. Okay, uh, that the number of vaccines recommended for children was something in the neighborhood of ten. Today, we're looking at children being injected over seventy times. In fact, I just got a notice from my son's school that he needs a fourth polio vaccine and my response was like is there an outbreak or something that i didn't know about because i've only ever had one and i'm really interested to know why our kids suddenly need four of them Um, me too
1: i only had one when i was a child one polio vaccine go ahead
0: yeah Yeah, it's like are they not working like what what's the problem here why all of a sudden do they need four and um You know, of course, the response I got was just this ridiculous, oh, it's, you know, Massachusetts requires it. And it's just like, okay.
1: (laughs) So what are you going to do?
0: Well, I wrote back and I said, I went through all of it. I said, you know, are you not aware that, you know, Robert F. Kennedy sued the Department of Health and Human Services? And I provided a link for that. I'm like, this is not some random guy you know we all know who especially here in Massachusetts we all know who robert f kennedy junior is and then i also i'm like you know here's the vaccine injury court settlements here's the 400% increase in vaccine injuries here is the evidence that they don't even work and, and then I made the point about the, um, you know, in Japan, how they, they have the lowest number of vaccines required for children in Japan, and they also have the lowest infant death rate. The U.S. has the highest number of vaccines required for children, and we have the highest infant death rate by far, by two to three times. And so I was just like, you know, apparently Americans aren't so fond of their children. And I have not heard anything back from her, of course, but it was just like, holy cow. I'm like, like, how can you be a health professional in Massachusetts and not even know that one of your own elected officials, you know, former elected officials uncovered this? Right. So... It, it, well, you know, when it, I, it's I read
1: all the all the media uh, outlets, uh, the mainstream media stories on these vaccines, the need for them, they never, ever put anything like this in there. They never, ever put, like, this report out that we paid $160 million so far. Because they say vaccine injuries are rare and all this. And they always say the debunked uh, tale about vaccines causing autism, you know. And this is so right. ridiculous. Right.
0: Yeah, they I don't mean, tell and the and truth all you all. Have to, Yeah, and and you know you have the hard data right there from the vaccine injury court. If they're not, if they're not causing injuries, why is there a vaccine injury court, and why have four billion dollars in settlements been paid out by it? You know, I mean, if there were no injuries, there would be no settlements being paid, and and these oh. are Gardasil alone
1: oh. is
0: um, responsible for an estimated 400 deaths, immediate deaths upon administration of this vaccine. And Uh not to mention the 60,000 permanent injuries caused by Gardasil. These are children who, over the course of a few days after receiving Gardasil, became progressively paralyzed completely from the neck down. Yeah. These are children that are permanently and gravely injured by a vaccine that is supposedly designed to prevent a, an extremely rare form of cancer.
1: Right. You know, and I have said all along since this vaccine came out, I was writing about it when <laughs> it first came out, that I have never heard of a teenage girl having cervical cancer in my life. And the same when they came out, they said they were giving it to boys for uh, to do away with warts. I have never known anyone that has had warts. So they've given this well, vaccines.
0: warts are not deadly. These vaccines are deadly. Warts yeah. are not. Why would you get it's just like giving a deadly vaccine for measles or mumps. It's just like not measles and mumps do not kill children. The vaccine does. So does the um chicken pox vaccine. You know, these these are are supposedly stop rashes and yet We're killing children in order to prevent fevers and rashes. I mean, it's just utterly beyond logic of any kind.
1: Oh, I know it. We talked about this before, you know, that uh, me and my sisters, I have three sisters, we all had the measles when we were kids, and we weren't even sick at all. I don't remember, I know we didn't go to a doctor, none of us, and I don't think we were sick because we had this big old house, and you'd have to go upstairs to our bedrooms if you're sick, and I don't remember anything like that happening either. I think we just had rashes, and we were home from school. We were happy. (laughs) Nothing about measles to be afraid of.
0: Yeah, and if you look at the literature um, from the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, before vaccines became so prevalent, um, there, there are, you know, children's stories about how, you know, Annie gets the mumps, and she stays in bed for a few days and enjoys some ice cream and a little TLC from her mom. And then she's up and back to, you know, what her normal activities. And, and again, Oh, and one other thing, Evelyn is, you know, the, the, the argument is that your unvaccinated child puts my vaccinated child at risk. Well, the department, the CDC itself has advised against children with family members who have, or household members that have compromised immune systems um, are not supposed to get the MMR vaccine. Why? Because it has been shown that after receiving that vaccine, the individual sheds that virus for weeks and months after. And what that means, that they are contagious. To others, these are the vaccinated children. So, you know, nothing about the argument for vaccination holds water. Not one aspect. And these are weapons being used on our children. They are killing our children. Yeah.
1: Right. This is just outright genocide, and it's just in full plain view now. I mean, I've been writing about these vaccines since 2004. You know, and I explained that before. I had to write all those articles and do the research and publish them for free because people wouldn't publish these articles on these vaccines. I've probably written two dozen articles on warning people about these vaccines, you know. And I became so alarmed because I realized that it was causing this, this autism epidemic. You know, uh, back then these autism moms were writing me. I called them the autism moms. They were writing me emails and asking me to investigate these vaccines and autism. And I, And I told them that I really couldn't because I had a full-time job and I would just write my articles and stuff on the weekends and stuff. And at night, and I told him that I had never looked into vaccines whatsoever. And I didn't know anything about autism except from Rain Man, the movie. And I said, it was just too complicated for me to try to investigate. Well, then I got thinking about different things they had said. And so then I decided that, no, I, I should just investigate a little. So I just went on Google and I just typed in autism and vaccines and, and, um, and school special enrollment programs and stuff. And, I found out that I started going to the different education systems in all the different states, and there was definitely an autism epidemic developing, I mean, big time. You know, I mean, it would show the the statistics from a couple years before to then now, and it was just unbelievable the number of students that were showing up in special education classes that had autism. You know, and... so then, so then I decided, well, I'd go to the um, CDC website and see what they had to say about it, you know, because this was before I knew how the agencies were all so corrupt and in bed with the pharmaceutical industry, you know. And what they said on their site is what convinced me to investigate more <laughs> because they said on their site that there was no epidemic, that autism was always here. It just was undiagnosed that people didn't notice it. And it was like, I, I that. are yeah. you crazy? I'm
0: thinking, <laughs> well, you know. And remember, right as you were starting that research, Evelyn, is when that whistleblower, um, William Thompson, I believe his name, and he's still at the CDC and he has official whistleblower status. And he was the one who came forward and said that he was ordered by his boss at the CDC to falsify data regarding this particular MMR vaccine that he found was causing autism. He knew it was. And, and then um, when he, after publishing the data, the falsified data, he decided to come clean and submitted 30,000 pages of documents to Congress showing them that, in fact, uh, that these vaccines did cause autism and they did nothing. They did absolutely nope. nothing. And this was—he submitted that data ten years ago to Congress. Yep. Yep. And I know. So I know. I mean,
1: there's. And, and when C- they were saying, you know, that the CDC saying that, that woke me up completely because it was like I had figured out by then. I had seen videos and stuff of severely autistic children, you know, and I had been doing research and I had found that most of these children never get trained, so they always have to be be in diapers you know, their whole life, you know, and stuff. And so then I sat back and I thought in a town that I grew up in was only 2,000 people. And I figured out that over my lifetime, over my childhood, there should have been seven children with autism in that in that town. You know, and we had a class, our our school was from kindergarten to, to senior. And we had a class for special education class. And in that class, there would be people like with uh, Down syndrome or slightly retarded or things like this, you know, in this little school, I mean, we knew everybody. If there had ever been any child in that school pooping their pants every day, we would have heard about it, absolutely would have heard about it. And by the time I'm researching this, it was so bad. that Some of the schools were uh, filing lawsuits to make it so that the parents had to um, bring the pampers and stuff to school for these children. And it was like when I was growing up, you know, there weren't, there weren't pampers. So these would have been cloth diapers. These would have been children in that school going around pooping their pants all day in cloth diapers. This never happened. And so it was like, well, then I thought, okay, well, if there, the autism was always here, well, then where are the adults in my town now with autism? If it's right. always been here, you know, there aren't, right. there weren't any, none, you know, So that's what that's what convinced me. Then it was like, well, this is an outright lie. I know it's an outright lie. Autism has not always been here. That as children, I would have known in that in that school if there were autistic kids, you know. But some of these kids, it's so bad that some of these kids and and never talk. They never learn their name. I mean, it's so bad that you can't take them places. You take them outside, say they're going to run in the street. You're calling their name to tell them don't run in the street. They don't even hear you. They just keep going. Stuff. I mean, this this. This disorder has destroyed millions of families in this country. Yep. Autism. Yep. And, and I said, the best, the best one that you should, have, you should have sent to that school was the one of both the, the um, three twins that all got autistic immediately after getting the same oh, shot right. in one day. Right. Now you yeah. try to tell me, let them try to tell me that the, the vaccines didn't cause this. Three of them, twins, 10 months old, all in one Triplets. day after yep. they get a vaccine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I also went to a very small school and um, uh, there there was no, there was no, and it was the same thing. There was one class of a handful of kids who suffered birth injuries, like brain injuries, maybe had Down syndrome or, you mm-hmm. know, something like that. But there, there were no, I did not know anyone with autism. And even as an adult, it was just like, none of my school friends ever appeared to suffer from that. So um, I mean, it's just, it's, and this is actually Evelyn, I don't know if you're aware, but not just in the U S in Italy, there's also, they're trying to make um, vaccines mandatory and are fining families 50 euro a day for not um, vaccinating their children. And, and I, I was listening to a report about uh, several dozen families who uh, withdrew their children from preschool because they refused to um, abide this regulation. And so uh, Italy is not the only other country, but there are certain it's, – it's going on worldwide, um, this push – and there's growing backlash against it. So, um, you know, I just pray that it will erupt with enough fervor to put a stop to this.
1: Well, you know, that governor in New York just signed that thing, doing away with religious exemptions. Um, yeah. This is, this is getting so horrible. I don't know how, how we can stop this.
0: Yeah, I... I other than you know doing what we're doing, I'm not sure either. I'm also going to send the same email um, to the pediatrician because last time that, uh, for my kids because the last time I went to see um, when we I took them there, he's like, oh, there, you know, if you have something, please show me. So it's like, okay,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: and, uh, you yeah. know, now we have this this FOIA um, disclosure that. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. successfully got from the Department of Health and Human Services. So, you know, we've—I've got all the information I need to bring to him. I'll be really interested to see his reaction.
1: Yeah, right, right. I, uh, yeah, if I had kids, I would be interested to go to to go to pediatricians now too. Um, that's for sure. So, yeah, and our kids being the sickest kids in of any industrialized country. And why can't people figure out why this is? Because we have these mandatory vaccines. And given that hepatitis B vaccine on the day of birth is just outrageous. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that starts it off. That starts it off. Yep. And then, too, they're poisoning right in the womb now because they're having pregnant women get uh, flu vaccines and things like this now, too. So they're poisoning right in the womb. No.
0: Yeah. And, and it's the flu vaccines that where yep. the injuries are are increasing most rapidly. And in fact, there was data published um, showing that there, the rate of miscarriage among women who receive the flu vaccine is much higher than that of um, those who don't. So well, I, mean,
1: I, I view that as that's intended. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. You know, yeah. they're sitting here saying yeah. they want to they want to uh vaccinate all our kids, you know, to keep them safe and avoid diseases and stuff. And then they're passing these laws where they're killing babies in the womb right up to the time of birth. You know, this. Well, is so and disgusting. the other thing,
0: Evelyn, to that point, I mean, you know, for people who are like, oh, you know, how can how can you say they're trying to kill you know kids? Well, there was a whistleblower from the um, Cancer Institute. She's a a scientist who studies retroviruses, and she's uh, well-respected in her field. And when she, is molecular biologist Judy Mikovits, uh published a study in showing the results of her research um, that concluded there are retroviruses in those vaccines, and these are ones that cause cancer. And yep. she had estimated that these ret- deadly retroviruses had been transmitted to 25 million Americans through vaccines. And while nothing, nothing happened right away, she was asked to refute her own studies and data, which she refused. But then another scientist came forward two years later and confirmed Dr. Mikovitz's research, at which time she was arrested and jailed for refusing to refute her research at that time. yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a woman who is a respected scientist at the... What, where is she? Um, it's the National Cancer Institute or something like that. I mean, it's, she, she's at one of the major yeah the National Cancer Institute
1: yeah well they're t- trying to take down any doctors that tell the truth about vaccines you know now oh, in yeah. California I mean- that law that they're making that uh they want a state agent to um to to I'd go through the records of of uh children who get medical exemptions you know and uh doctors who are giving medical exemptions they're trying to take their license away they and and the the bar in the in the um American Medical Association is going along with this. They're doing it, taking their license away from these doctors who write these medical exemptions, and then they want to make it for a state agent to go to look through all the medical records of these children. And um, it, I think it's, um, oh, shoot. I'm trying to think of the doctor now. I've had him on the show that's in trouble right now because um, he's suing them because they want to go through all his uh, medical records from his patients that he wrote exemptions for. This is just awful, just awful. I mean my god you got to turn turn over medical records for a person to a state agent and just just to let them go through it supposedly to check on their vaccine status you're giving them all your information on this person yeah this is so yeah. wrong and this is what the governor's saying he he's objecting to and i yeah. hope he what doesn't sign that bill and allow that to happen
0: well, and the thing is, you know, another another point is that you know people are wonder like why and how this could be possible, but the, yeah, it's important how can it to be understand. Possible? Well, the the big pharma lobby is larger mm-hmm. than the oil and gas lobby today in Congress. That's right. how this happens. It's just utter and sheer corruption, and these pharmaceutical companies only care about making money. They do not care about your child's health. Otherwise, we would not have the highest infant death rate in the Western among Western nations. Our infant death rate is fifty percent higher than Cuba. Cuba My has God. no access to American medicine, remember.
1: Right. So right. if our
0: medicine is so great why are our are, are, are our children dying faster than Cuba, who is cut off from all of that technology? Oh, our medical complex
1: right. is committing open genocide. Clear out. Yes. I mean this vaccine thing is a total racket. I mean they make these kids so sick, and then they, then they get to prescribe all these other pharma products to them. You know, when I was For investigating life. this, yep. you know, um, different parents, you know, doctors would convince them to give their... Kids psych drugs and stuff, and this minister and his wife had two uh, autistic kids that were getting older. They were like 13, and they were so worried because they're wondering who's going to take care of these two kids, you know, when something happens to them, and they were getting so big that they're getting violent, you know, and so a doctor convinced them to give the, the boy, the 13-year-old boy, Risperdal, an antipsychotic. Well, that boy got so violent on that antipsychotic that he's chasing his dad around, and his dad got so scared that he ran out of the house and he tried to run to his neighbors for safety. And the boy caught up to him and he bit the tip of his finger right off. Ah! Jeez. And this is so horrible, you know, because they're telling me, what are we going to do? Something happens to us. Who's going to take care of these kids Our kids? They can't leave them with anybody. Yeah. You know, they, they won't yeah. let anybody be over to babysit or anything like that. I mean, this is what parents are facing but yeah. it's just a big racket because they create all these disorders and then they prescribe all these drugs. It's just a money-making racket all the way
0: around. Right. And these are chronic illnesses that, yeah. you know, for which um, children are prescribed medications every month, like that, that yeah, they take these, every month for the rest of their and diseases lives. These that
1: these kids are getting were unheard of in my childhood. Nobody had, no child. There was one child in my school that had diabetes when I was a kid. And the only reason I knew that was because when we had parties and stuff, she couldn't eat cake and stuff like this. There was no kids that had autism or um, or uh, seizures and things like that. And look at it now. Supposedly one in out of every five, five-year-old in this country gets seizures? These are all caused by the vaccines. Right. And it is so scary to me. We have the highest-priced health care of any procedure and any any drugs and everything. And we have the, the sickest kids ever in any industrialized nation. And the, and the same thing like you talked about, too. All these women die during childbirth or after childbirth and stuff, too. And we have the highest-priced, you know, health care. But this is what's happening to the, the patients. And these right, they better wake up race. pretty soon. They better wake up pretty soon because Americans are waking up, and they know what the hell this medical-industrial complex has been doing to all of us. This vaccine is just bringing it to the forefront now. And and I'm glad because this has got to be out in the open. We have got to stop it. I agree. I totally agree. Switch over to uh, tell us a little bit about that death of that uh, Senator Linda Collins Smith of Arkansas.
0: Well, so um, as you mentioned, she was in the process of investigating these illegal payments to from Child Protective Services, which, recall, was created under the Clinton administration. And these illegal payments were going to the Clinton Foundation. And this is also, um, you know, Charles Ortell is a Wall Street analyst who has been investigating the Clinton Foundation for several years and has combed through all of their financials. And and the Clinton Foundation, he found, has never, ever been properly registered, and it has never actually undergone a financial audit, which is required by law once a year. And it's been around illegally for about 30 years now, so um, or or 20 years, excuse me. That foundation um, has
1: been a global flush fund all the way around.
0: Yes, yes, and so um, when Linda Collins was found, she, my, I, I have not confirmed this, but my understanding was that she was preparing to testify in front of a grand jury about this case just before she was found murdered, and her body, she, she died from gunshot wounds, and her body was wrapped in a blanket when it was found. So, what, do, then, what does that
1: mean? What does that mean?
0: Uh, it, it means she was murdered, you know? I mean, there can be no doubt that it was an accident of any kind. I, I mean, I, I'm i not sure um, you beyond that, but it, it tells us conclusively this was no accident, right? Because so many times when these whistleblowers turn up mm-hmm. dead they're in circumstances that can be easily misrepresented as, you know, dying of natural causes or an accident. You mentioned Isaac Cappy. Isaac Cappy right. was reportedly threw himself off that bridge. Now it was pushed. And it's like, who throws themselves off a bridge? Like these two teens supposedly tried to stop him and claimed he, quote, threw himself off that bridge. The other thing about Isaac Cappy's death was that this was apparently a stretch of road that was not um, highly traveled traffic. And so there, w- there would not have been likely a car passing under that bridge, which was apparently only maybe 25 or 30 feet above um, the highway. 20, and 20
1: feet is all.
0: Yeah, like that would not kill someone. And how he timed it, if these other kids, like where did he park? Where did these other kids come from? Like if this is an abandoned stretch of road, what the heck were these teens doing there? So there's just nothing. And then there were two reports. There was a woman um, who, uh, excuse me one second. there were um, reports of one individual um, it was that someone who did road work uh, that passed by that location um, before the time when the police claimed it had been cleaned up and said there was no sign of any accident of any kind and and they called to ask when it had been cleaned up and they were told as i mentioned they were given a time after which this person had passed through and seen no evidence of.
1: Um, right, they said they didn't get it cleaned up till ten thirty, and that girl, that woman had drove through there like forty five minutes after the supposed suicide. You know, and right. no, saw nothing. And then that um, it's, this other tour guide too had drove by an hour after, and he said he there was no police cars, there was no nothing out there then. You know, right. so this is all right. lies, and and that's the same thing. You know, that why are they? Um, why are they ceding the records and documents and statements about the, so the that Collins killing? Right, you know I can't yeah. get to the bottom. My eyes a capping death, I'll tell you, I, I research it constantly every day. I can't get to the bottom of that. And yeah, they got all it, these it, shows it, out there putting out videos and stuff, you know, that are just full of bullshit.
0: Yeah, it, he's he, there's a smear campaign against him too. At the same oh, yeah. time, which is uh, which is. Entirely in keeping with the, you know, strategy we've seen that these, you know, psychopaths use to silence critics or di- discredit them.
1: So, oh, absolutely, um, and that's that's why I say that he, that he does this uh, two, two, three days after he puts out reports of, of starting his campaign on Steele and Epstein records.
0: Yeah, and then well, the, there was another death of an Oklahoma. State senator just within days of linda collins being found and he also was dead of a gunshot wound and i have not yet been able to um connect those cases but that seems awfully suspicious i mean that two two violent deaths by gunshot of state senators within days of one another i mean you know it, right. it, it, it's shocking just on its own, but having them coincide the way they did. And then if you look at the mainstream media coverage, of course, they mentioned nothing about these investigations that were going on, no. only the details surrounding the person's death and their career.
1: Right, right. Well, I'll tell you, I think uh, the jury really got a good picture of what's going on with that Nexium child sex trafficking case Right. this week.
0: Well, you mentioned... Uh- the rainbow cultural garden piece yes. of it, which is never, ever, ever discussed in the mainstream exactly, media, they exactly. Only Trish, ever that's what talk I talk about the adults.
1: Yeah. that's what and I that, thought of. This nothing. There's nothing in the mainstream media reports about this. Them closing down this child, uh, this rainbow culture gardens. You know, and this and is what one, people need to look at. These pedophiles, right. they're they're programming these children from birth,
0: right. That, and that's what I was going to say when uh, you mentioned, you know, these are these are infants that they are taking, yeah. and the the way that they do this is um, supposedly they're going to learn all these languages, like so they get a new caregiver every single day who speaks a different language than the child's own native language, and um, th- the parents are forbidden from interacting with the child while it's under the care of one of these quote unquote teachers. And so they are forced to detach from their parents. And you were talking about the grooming. That's a key piece of the grooming of these children is for them to not be able to form attachments to people. It's how you develop sociopaths. And then these children, there was one in London Um, that was under investigation for Um, child sex trafficking, that they, you know, they were doing this and pimping out the children to powerful individuals in London. And there was another one in D.C. that was shut down. Um, Again, same thing. They were pimping out these toddlers, these infants and toddlers to wealthy and powerful individuals in order to to um, blackmail them, just like with the Jeffrey Epstein case. It's a method, uh, it's a human compromise operation, and that is exactly what it is called in the police investigation. And so, um, but this piece never, ever gets mentioned, and it's infuriating. And meanwhile, the person who funded Nexium to the tune of $100 million and is a billionaire herself, like Je- Jeffrey Epstein, is right. facing no jail time. Which well, she no, she's shocking.
1: facing uh, 24 to 27
0: months, but... Possibly. But if he grabs over 24 months, then she can appeal that. That's wrong. Well, and remember, Evelyn, what, Jeffrey Epstein supposedly got jail time. He never spent yeah. an hour in jail. I mean, not un- not in under legitimate circumstances. He had separate facilities. He had private county jail, yeah. yeah. And he never, like he was allowed to leave and go travel. He, I mean, it's just outrageous. He was charged with several counts of child sex trafficking. He never had to register as a child sex offender. And he was able to plead that down to a single count of soliciting a minor. This is a guy who is a serial predator.
1: Yeah, a global child he, sex trafficker. Yes. This is global. And this is why they want to talk to the victims, because supposedly they want to find out, you know, how they were taking over state lines and everything. Well, they were taking over state lines, they were taking overseas. I mean, they took that uh, yes. Virginia Roberts over there to be screwed raped by uh uh Prince Andrew over in over in England. They took yes. her all over the world at Virginia Roberts.
0: Well and remember Epstein himself had you, I think you said it was three girls. I thought it was two, but they, these were twelve-year-old girls. Yep. he had yep. shipped a over present. from France, yep. and and, and this was during the proceedings of his yep. of arranging his plea deal. He was. Still
1: well, they don't care. They don't care. Activities. I'm convinced that that Dershowitz and, and Epstein have blackmail information on everybody, and that's why they're allowed to just go on it. Like Isaac said, Epstein is paying off everybody. Yeah. Well, here it is, the end of our great take here. <laughs> well, Trish, thank oh, you a lot for coming on. and uh, Thank you, Evelyn. We'll, we'll keep up and give you the latest again next week, people. So goodbye. We'll okay, see you great. next week, people.
0: Get older. Bye. Peace and pieces, bloody and bruised. I feel so helpless and... Screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life